Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God that we hear this morning is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 9 verses 28 to 36. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened, as they were parting from him, that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And when the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things that they had seen. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord, your word is true. Amen. When was the last time you climbed up a mountain? Why did you bother? We have lots of reasons why we might climb up a mountain, right? One famous mountain climber gave the response simply because it was there. Sometimes we climb up the mountain because we know we'll get a really good view, or these days we might climb up a mountain because we want to ski back down it. That's kind of fun. There's a place in India called Banyambadi, and whenever we would go and visit Banyambadi, we would drive up the mountain. Even though it took an extra hour and there were sharp, steep switchbacks and kind of a dangerous road, we would drive up the mountain and then the next morning we would have to drive back down. Why did we bother? Well, because it was much cooler up on top of that mountain. It was much nicer to sleep up there, 70 degrees instead of upper 90s or 100s like it was down in the valley. We have lots of different reasons why we might climb up a mountain, but how often have we climbed up a mountain because we thought we would find a miracle at the top? Why did Jesus go up the mountain? Did he know what was going to happen up there? Our text doesn't really tell us if he knew the specifics, if he knew that he would be transfigured, if he knew Moses and Elijah would be there, I think he probably did, but our text doesn't really tell us if he knew the specifics, but he certainly knew that he would find comfort and strength from his father. Our text does tell us why he went up the mountain. He went up the mountain to pray trusting that his father would answer that prayer and give him the miracle he needed, the miracle of strength to face that which was about to come. 
He knew that his death was going to come soon, that suffering and that death was approaching. He went up the mountain looking for a miracle. How often do we avoid the mountains in our life because we don't expect to find miracles, and therefore, what's the point of that difficult climb? Obviously, I'm not talking now about physical, literal mountains anymore, although it was a physical, literal one that Jesus climbed in our text. But the more difficult climb was that which was to come, right? The metaphorical mountain of facing the suffering and death which he was about to endure. How often do we avoid the metaphorical mountains in our life because we don't see the point, because we don't expect miracles. That is to say, how often do we give up because situations seem hopeless? Perhaps it's your marriage that is having difficulty and you don't see how it can possibly get any better, and so you might be tempted to give up instead of climbing that mountain. Perhaps it's the relationship with your children, or the relationship with somebody else, or perhaps it's something financial, or perhaps it's some other burden or task that God has given you in your life which seems too heavy, too difficult, it seems from a human point of view like there's no chance, no possibility, and so we are tempted to give up. Our text calls on us to expect miracles, and therefore to go ahead and to climb that mountain, even if it seems impossible to us, because Jesus has promised the miracles that we need. What else was he talking about in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 8, when he says to us, Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. What else is Jesus promising us in that verse other than to give us the miracles we need or those tasks that he has set in front of us. And by those words, does he not encourage us to go ahead and climb the mountain, trusting, expecting that he will provide the miracle? Jesus climbed the mountain because he knew the suffering and death that waited for him in Jerusalem, because he had set his face towards Jerusalem and was determined to go there to die for our sins. We know what he was thinking about and talking about and praying about. Our text tells us that he talked to Moses and Elijah about his death that he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. The same thing that he was praying about Monday, Thursday evening, the day before his death, when he prayed, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me. But the Father did not remove that cup, did he? What a wonderful thing for us, <clears throat> that it was not the Father's will to remove that cup, because it was through the drinking of that cup, that accepting of the suffering and death, that Jesus paid for our sins, and we are now saved from eternal damnation. It was not the Father's will that Jesus avoid that cup, but that he drink it to its fullest. That was not the miracle that God provided, the removing of the cup. But the miracle that God provided, his Father provided for him on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration, as well as in the garden, was the strengthening of his spirit. The comfort that he needed. How many of us could use just such a miracle today? I expect most of us could use at least one, if not more. But we're not talking about miracles like the raising of the dead or the sending of fire down from heaven. We're not even talking about miracles like the healing of the leprosy. It's a different kind of miracle that we have in our text, isn't it? In a little bit, we are going to pray to God for some people who have cancer, as well as other things we're going to pray for. And it might be that God might answer such prayers by removing that cup so that those people don't have to go through it. But it might be that he might say to them, no, it's my will that you drink this cup. And whatever situations in our lives we might be praying about as well, it might well be that God's answer to us is, no, it's my will that you drink that cup. The miracle might not be the removing of that which we pray for, the removing of the mountain so we don't have to climb it, but the miracle which God provides for us might well indeed be instead the strength to do what we could not possibly do on our own. The strength for him to bear the burden and help us climb that mountain. That is the miracle that Jesus received. The miracle of comfort and strength, of sunshine in the deep, dark gloominess of this life. And this is a miracle which God promises us in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What else is that passage other than a promise from God not to remove the burden, but to carry it, or to help us to carry it. And so we learn to expect miracles. When there is before us the mountain of difficult tasks to do, we can expect God's miracle of strength and comfort in our life. Abraham. Abraham was a man who climbed a mountain expecting a miracle, didn't he? 
God told him to take his son, his only son Isaac, and to sacrifice him. And Abraham went up that mountain. The book of Hebrews tells us he went up that mountain because by faith, he believed, he expected that God would raise Isaac from the dead. He went up expecting a miracle. No, he didn't receive the miracle he was expecting, but a greater one instead, for God stopped him from sacrificing his son Isaac and used Isaac as a picture of Christ who was to come. But he most certainly did receive a miracle. What difficult, hard task has God given you in your life that perhaps you are avoiding or skirting or putting off for another time because it doesn't seem possible to do? Rather than avoid it, expect the promises of Christ. Expect the miracles which Jesus promises us and go forth in those tasks, in those burdens. As Abraham went up the mountain. The difficult thing for Abraham wasn't the physical climbing of the mountain, was it? The difficult thing for Abraham was that metaphorical mountain of bringing his only son, sacrificing his only son. And he was strengthened by God to believe, to expect miracles. Or perhaps the mountain of confessing our sins and being honest about who we are. That was a mountain that David had to climb, wasn't it? After he had committed those terrible sins of murder and adultery, and it was a, a mountain, a task that David put off, he didn't want to face that climb. He didn't want to face that mountain to admit and to confess what he had done. And we can understand why. Because when we've done things that we know are wrong, we also would very much rather hide them and hope no one finds out, rather than to be honest and confess our sins. Because it doesn't seem like things can ever be the same again afterwards, especially such a terrible sins such as David did. It doesn't seem possible that God could forgive us, much less other people. David did eventually climb that mountain, although he needed a little help. The prophet Nathan had to give him a little bit of a push. He needed a little bit of strengthening from God's word, and yet he did. And he found God's miracle. The miracle of God's forgiveness. What did Nathan say when David finally confessed his sin? God has put away your sin. What a wonderful miracle. For God to forgive David and to forgive us. We too can expect God's miracles in our lives. And instead of putting off those difficult tasks, instead of trying to hide our sin, face those mountains, confess our sins, trusting, expecting miracles. Through the eyes of Peter, James, and John this morning, we see Christ glorified. We see a glimpse of heaven in the glory that will be ours, that is ours through Jesus Christ that is to come. Through the eyes of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, right? When he was being stoned, he saw heaven open. Through his eyes also we see that glory which is to come. Through the eyes of Mary and the women, we see the empty tomb and Jesus risen from the dead. God has given to us these miracles 
these glimpses of the glory that is to come, these mountaintop visions, right? That's why we climb mountains a lot of times is for the view. And here we have a view not just of the beauty of this earth, but of the glory of heaven. He has given us these miracles because tomorrow we're going to sin again, aren't we? Tomorrow we're going to have to face new challenges and difficult burdens and heavy tasks. Tomorrow, in short, we might well find ourselves again in a deep, deep, dark, cloudy valley. But we've seen and know the truth that we can expect miracles from God. And so we can set our feet to climb the mountain once again, knowing what we will find at the top. We see these things through their eyes, and we confess with the, the hymnist, the hymn we just sang just before the, uh, the sermon today, right? It is good to be here. It is good to see the Lord glorified and to be reminded of those promises which God has given to us. As Jesus reminds us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Today, the Lord gives us the miracle of rest in the vision of Christ so that we can be strengthened for the work ahead of us tomorrow. Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. He was determined to go and to suffer and to die in our place for our sins so that we might receive the salvation of God through faith in him. And because he died there in Jerusalem, we are called the sons of God. And because we are called the sons of God, we know that we have these promises. That we can trust in Christ and the promises he gives us, and that therefore we can, in all darkness, expect miracles. Psalm 46, verse 5. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. What does this verse mean other than even in the darkest points of our life, we can expect through faith in Jesus Christ to see the glory of God. Even in the darkest moments, we can expect miracles. Because that's what Jesus has promised us through the redemption that is ours in him. Amen.